Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Hey, good Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. I'm Eric King, Rob Lewis, Austin Price, and Brent Hubs. Tennessee, of course, awaits uh, to see which bowl game it will go to. Will it be the Orange Bowl? Will it be the Cotton Bowl? We will find out on Sunday afternoon. Uh, that's one of many questions in here for the Mailbag Podcast uh, that we're doing right now. Let's go ahead and get started. We'll go to Crystal Palace Vol. What happens to Tennessee if USC and TCU both lose? Uh, Brent, you want to kick us off? If they both lose? Yes. Oh, man, this is like the Choose Your Own Adventure book. So if you read this page, turn to this page. and I got this it. Page. Go ahead, AP. I'll let you go. It, it all depends on what happens you know, with those teams. Like, does TCU still get in? as a one-loss team, like they're undefeated right now. So does their resume hold up to get in as the four spot? You know, um, uh, to me, that's the biggest question. If you're just simply saying Ohio State and Alabama go in, then Tennessee's going to the Sugar Bowl. And they would play play TCU, Um, you know. But, uh, you know, if if only one of them gets in, if it's Ohio State, then Alabama still goes to the Sugar, and that would put Tennessee in the Orange Bowl locked in. Would they definitely play TCU over Kansas State with the highest ranked? Is that how that yeah. goes in yeah, the Sugar? Well, Kansas T- State is a Big Twelve champion. Do they? Do they go? No, you're right. It would be Kansas State. That's right because they would be the Big Twelve champ, um, and which means TCU would get pushed to the Cotton Bowl. Um, you know, so you're right. It would be kind of like Utah and USC. Like if Utah beats USC, USC falls all the way from the playoff all the way to the Cotton Bowl. Because Utah would be the Pac-12 champ and be locked into the Rose uh, against, uh, you know, either Ohio State in a rematch, which I'm sure that the the Rose Bowl then would in, invoke their their cluster clause, um, or if USC, you know, uh, um, if it's not, it would be Washington um, in in the Rose versus maybe Ohio State and maybe Penn State. What TV show is that? Is that always sunny in Philadelphia when they've got all the yarn and stuff on the wall and they're trying to figure well, out if this happens, if this happens? That's You'll have to ask Hubbard about it. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> I've actually never watched an episode. Hubbard, are you a big uh, fan? No, I've never seen it. Are you kidding me? I don't even know the show. I don't know anything about that show. It's a famous gift. Who's, 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 the, who's the star of the show? I don't know. I, what does it matter? I mean, you know. Hubbard's, He's catching up on Yellowstone right now. He, he, didn't, he didn't have time. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have any idea. It, it, it I feels... finally broke down to watch the colored Andy Griffith show. I was going to say. No, he's I don't watch, watch those either. Those are banned. Those are not allowed in the, in this house in Corrington. Hey, Do you my, watch Matlock? No, my wife does. And Murder, She Wrote. Let's go. Uh, let, let me ask this. Uh, so it feels like under that question, under that scenario, if TCU and USC both lose, USC could take the hardest fall of anybody, right? Yeah, they could. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. I was just curious. 
All right, let's move on to Vol in SC. What is y'all's favorite offensive play of the season and favorite defensive play of the season? And give a freshman you were most impressed with on each side of the football. Um, I'll, I'll start us off. Basically, one of the plays in motion uh, to where you get Jalen Hyatt matched up on a linebacker. That happened twice in Kentucky, so I'll go with that. A freshman I was most impressed with on the offensive side of the football. Um, I wrote about it this week over at VolQuest.com. I'll say Squirrel White. Defensive side of the football, I will say Joshua Josephs. I'm going to go Dylan Sampson. Uh, I'll stick with Joshua Josephs. I will take the uh, the field goal to be to Alabama. I mean, why would you not take that? Um, and, and then uh, defensively, you know, I don't know. I, as far as just pure plays, I thought the Trayvon Flowers interception at Pittsburgh was about as good a play as there was. Now, we didn't see a safety make much of a play after that. Uh, but, I mean, uh, you know, it's – I thought that was a really, really good play. And honestly, at the time, when you think back, Tennessee needed that one about as much as they needed uh, any play all season based off the fact that Pittsburgh had the potential to go up three scores there. Go ahead, Rob. Uh, any Jalen Hyatt – I was going to say any Jalen Hyatt play, in, you know, where they just got him wide open, you know, against Alabama. Probably the, the best example was at the Missouri game where they hit him at H-back. And then, yeah. and then leaked him down like on, on the wheel route. That was, I mean, that was kind of a mean, I wouldn't say meaningless, but it wasn't a huge play. But I, that, I thought that was just a great example of this coaching staff, you know, getting getting kids in great spots to make plays. I'll go with Squirrel White um, on oh. offense and defense. You have to go Josh Josephs, but man, I think Elijah Heron should have gotten more playing time. When you look at what Tennessee, I mean, they weren't great at linebacker, and you know, I know he had a little package here and there, but, you know, coming down to the end of the season, he was getting two, three, four snaps a game. I would have liked to see him play more, but you have to give it to, to Joseph just for, I mean, he had some tangible production in, in real spots. I'll be quick. I mean, I, Joe, uh, I'll go Dylan Sampson. Just, uh, I think he grew a lot as the season went along and, and, and earned some, some reps. Um, defensively, my, I guess the bet, probably the that sticks out to me the most is, Slaughter's hit in the Kentucky game that forced an interception because that was a that was a, a secondary play. We didn't see many of those this year. I thought that was an important play at that point early in that game. And then play-wise, I'm going to go with the seam pass to Jalen Hyatt for a touchdown in the Alabama game as Tennessee answered after the fumble where it looked like things might fall apart for him. That was a check by Hendon Hooker at the line of scrimmage. And it just showed the deficiencies of Alabama's secondary and the unbelievable speed that Jalen Hyde's got in the open field. You know, what I, I meant to mention, at, when you go back, it seems like a million years ago, Tyler Barron's sack at Pittsburgh right before halftime. You big know, play. With, big, with the fumble. You know, I mean, I think that's what knocked Slowis out of the game. That's and, and when you look at the way the second half went, that was, that was pretty significant. The, the way the last month went, the play that Hubs is talking about with Danico Slaughter feels like a million years ago. <laughs> I mean, just all the stuff that's went on. Yeah, I, I forgot the name of defensive play, but that 100% would be mine as well. I mean, just that pop. He gave cushion too, but the difference is he gave cushion, but he came up and laid the wood, and that's something that we hadn't seen from a Tennessee defensive back in a long time. Let's go to Zeusify. Any concern with the two Tennessee commits in the state of Alabama, Smith in particular? The other one would be Khalifa Keith. I would imagine Freeze is already on the phone with them, Austin. Well, I mean, I'm sure he's going to try. I mean, if you're not, then that's poor recruiting on his part. Um, you know, especially if if you if your you know staff evaluates and and thinks they're good enough. Now, I don't think he's got a, a big enough staff in place to be able to say, 
you know, yeah, we've evaluated them. I mean, like, I think they're just calling kids that, that, you know, are trying to assemble some semblance of a class and you're going to pick up the phone and call all those in-state kids that were leaving to go elsewhere. And, um, you know, that's where, you know, Sylvester Smith comes in play again. Sylvester Smith's continued to have really good dialogue with Tennessee. Tennessee's treating him like, you know, he's on the edge of, you know, not being in this class. And when I say that, I mean, like they are in constant contact with him. They will go see him when, you know, coaches can be out on the road. Like, I mean, I'm talking like first type, you know, first day opens, boom, they're going to see Sylvester Smith, that type of thing. Like they, they are approaching this, like he's not committed and they're trying to land him because that's how you've got to recruit some of these kids. However, you know, Auburn's going to take a big swing and how much do these families go, you know, it'd just be a lot easier on me to come watch you play the prospect X, you know, 30 minutes down the road, 60 minutes down the road versus six hours down the road. Yeah, I mean, if Tennessee's doing a good job with their relationships, I think they have a chance to be okay there. But because Sylvester Smith, he's doing any due diligence, his question is, well, what's the defense going to look like? And how do they answer that question right now? Because they don't have a defensive staff in place. And then in terms of Keith, Cadillac Williams didn't recruit him, and he's still on staff at all. Yeah, and they've got, and they got Jeremiah Cobb. Yeah, so. I, I, don't, I don't think anything with Keith there. I think Smith would be the one. And I think they'll take a shot at, get, at Ricky Gibson too. Yep. Um, those would be the two that I would be most concerned about. And the longer Auburn goes without putting a defensive staff together, uh, that they can show those kids what their defense is going to look like, probably the better. But they'll get one in, in place for those guys to get them moved and, and go out and try to see kids. So certainly two guys we'll keep an eye on here over the next couple of weeks. Hope to say with you answer this one from Pine. What are the next steps and time frame for the NCAA investigation? What do you expect the outcome to be? Uh, 90 days is what the NCAA has to respond to Tennessee's response to the um, letter of, of allegations or the uh, infractions, um, whatever you, I can't, the, the, whatever the committee on infractions sent that Tennessee just responded to with their 100-page document. They have 90 days to respond to that. Uh, we'll see. I mean, my guess is the NCAA is not take um, and simply say what you've done to this point is enough. There'll be a fine in there. Could there be any more scholarship reductions? I don't know. Could there be more limitations in recruiting in terms of on-campus visits? Um, possibly. We'll see. I don't know that the NCAA is just going to come back and say, now we're good with everything. Uh, but I think Tennessee made a pretty compelling argument in a couple of different ways with that failure to monitor charge. Uh, and so I don't think that they're going to get hammered or there's anything you know significant coming for Tennessee down the pike here. Rob Lewis, S. Pitt Vol wants to know, could you see Heupel taking over play calling duties next season if Golish were to leave to become a head coach? It's kind of a tag team effort there, Rob. I feel like they both have a hand in the play calling duties already. Yeah, I mean, my guess would be, you know, you guys chime in, that, that he would kind of be a lot like it is now. Like he, you know, calls some of the plays. He's heavily involved in, you know, in, in the game plan and what to do. And, you know, he'd hire somebody he, he, he trusts and has good rapport with and he'd have input like he does now, whether he called all 87 plays, I kind of doubt that, but, um, you know, who, whoever is in that position, Josh's fingerprints are going to be all over the offense and the play calling. I would strongly suspect. Yeah. And I think it will be more, it would be more involved in year one with a new play caller. My guess is when Alex Golish got to UCF, Josh Heupel was probably more hands-on in year one as Golish got a better grasp of the offense and, as the offense evolved with Golish's input and, and off seasons and more trust was built there, I think Golish called more and more action for Tennessee and, and, and Josh Heupel 
his input was still there, but probably not as as prominent as it was in year one and until there was a firm kind of understanding and grasp of things. So I, I think it would be a growth process. You know, I mean, um, Robin basketball, I mean, Michael Schwartz, his first year here uh, was very hands-on involved in things, but his last year here, he was the defensive coordinator for Rick Barnes. You know, I mean, it, yeah. he grew within Barnes's framework of what he wanted to do. I think Alex Golish has done the same thing. I still think there's a good chance Alex Golish is back next year. I don't know that he's going to be anywhere else. Malou wants to know what exactly has been Miles Campbell's issues. He was supposed to be the second coming two fall camps ago. Austin, if you want to take this one. Well, I think, you know, for, for Miles, it's just about uh, being more consistent. You know, um, uh, it, it's it's one of those situations where, you know, however, I don't think that uh, – the, the coaching change was super beneficial to him. And, uh, you know, he's just struggled to either stay healthy or stay on the field, um, you know, with, uh, with the playbook. Yeah. I don't know that he was ever considered the second coming. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a little strong. I don't know about that. I mean, he didn't make it through the first fall camp under, uh, under Josh Heupel cause he was sick and, and hurt. Um, you know, I think there's a couple things. I think miles needs to be more competitive. And I, I think he needs to be more committed to, to you know, to being what, what they want him to be. And that includes, that includes being more physical, you know, it's, it, you know, it's not just about running and catching passes. It's, it's about doing all those things. And, and Rob, that's a tough position to, to learn. I mean, you got to really commit to the game to learn the tight end spot in this offense. Cause they, they flex you around and do so many different things with you. And I just don't think he's there. Yeah. And that's something I, I mean, I didn't really get a long time ago about what you're talking about, that it's difficult for a young kid because you, you really are learning everything that an offensive lineman is learning, and you're learning everything a wide receiver is learning to be involved in, in the passing game and the running game. And if you're not, like you said, if you're not committed, uh, you get you get over your head in a hurry. But I, I think the bottom line, Hover, is just like we, we used to say about AP all the time, talent's not the problem. Talent's not the issue. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll admit, I, I did not realize how big the position of tight end was in this offense two years ago. I really didn't understand it until really this season when I'm just like, okay. And, you know, I've always been a slow learner, but I'm sitting there like, okay, these guys never come off the field. They lined up here, 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 here. Like, I get it now. Um, It's really important. So everybody's been asking me since the season's been over, like, you know, what sense is he going to get in the transfer portal? Who, who are they going to target? And I said, tight end, tight end, tight end, tight end. You got to have two tight ends. Got to. It's it's imperative for this offense. So, and and, and don't think you're fooling anybody. Just because you're wearing glasses today doesn't make you still not a slow learner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing glasses today because all of a sudden I'm blind and can't can't read anything. So yeah, the I think the tight end position is the single most important position for Tennessee in the transfer portal. Right now, that that doesn't mean they don't need help at other positions. But when you look at needs, Austin, is there a greater need on this team this offseason to trans than the tight end position? Well, you and I had this discussion um, before. I think it's offensive tackle because you know if you knew by if you knew Darnell Wright was coming back, then sure, I 100% agree with you. But like, you know, I just feel like Tennessee's got to upgrade their tackles too, especially with Darnell leaning to. They're not coming back. So that's where I lean offensive tackle. But if you're talking about – I would rather have two solid tight ends versus just a body at offensive tackle. Like, if you're saying primo quality offensive tackle, I would take that above anything in this class. But if you're just talking about just somebody that's played a little bit here or there at some other place coming in and competing, 
versus two solid tight ends, I would definitely take the two solid tight ends. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean my question yeah, I mean, right now is, it's all on how you want to juggle it and right. do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't disagree with you, but at least I mean, right now you've got Jeremiah Crawford who has played in the SEC. You got Gerald Mincy who's played in the SEC. At tight end, if Jacob Warren doesn't come back, and I don't know what he's going to do, maybe he does come back. He's the only guy you got that's played any snaps. It's the only tight end you got. And you survived this year with just two, which is pretty hard to do. Um, that, that's why I think – I mean, if Jacob Warren leaves, you don't have anybody you feel comfortable playing in the SEC right now at that position, whereas at yeah. the tackle position, you're thin and you need help, but at least you got a couple of guys who have gotten snaps there, you know, in the SEC and, and understand what it's like. Hunter Salmon, walk-on tight end, has gotten a few reps. Um, but, but again, that's not like every single down reps that we're talking about. I bet he hadn't played 40 snaps in SEC play this year. No, I, I, I'm with you 100%. I, I bet it's been like 10, maybe, maybe, you know. It's not been much. CN31, if you're the coach, what is your starting secondary and starting defensive line based on current roster and expected signees for next season? Anybody want to start? Who's going to be the starting quarterback in 2029? I mean, like, it's too far away. Like, I'm not trying to be, like, a smart aleck either. Like, I mean, it's just – you can throw we – can, we can throw guesses out there. All right, let's go. Starting secondary. Um, you know, I, I, I think it'll be Wesley Walker. Until I see otherwise, I'm going to go Tank McCullough. And, you know, they're creatures of habit. So, I'll go – you know, do they like what Danico Slaughter brought him at corner? You know, do they think with another offseason he can be better um, as a physical corner? I think that's possible. Um, you know, and then where's Warren Burrell at? And I would go nickel, I'd go McDonald. Just because, again, coaches are creatures of habit. Look at Ohio State. Dallin Hayden ran for 100 yards in back-to-back games. He got two carries against Ohio State because, what, he was a freshman. They moved some linebacker in to running back three weeks ago, and he led them against Michigan in carries. Like, coaches, all coaches – have like this, I don't know, like these head-scratching moments. Yeah. Anybody else I mean, want to add anything know, to that? I, I just think you got to – I mean, you just got to wait and see. And, and I know that's I know that's not the answer people want to look for, but, I mean, you know, where's Kamal Haddon? Where's Brandon Turnage? Here's the X factor at corner. How good is Jordan Matthews? There you go. What does he look like in January? But now I'm not going to sit here and go – Jordan Matthews is going to be a starter at corner because I've not seen Jordan Matthews at the collegiate level. I don't have any idea what that translates into. Because if you say that, then a question might become, you know, this guy was the end all be all in January. What happened to him? I don't know. You got to see. I mean, Austin and I were having this discussion earlier that, that, you know, the narrative gets shifted out there. I mean, I always joke with Paul, I mean, Woody Quinn was the second coming at tight end and couldn't play dead when they put pads on. So you just got to wait and see what these guys look like when they get here. And I'm, I'm with Austin. I'm not trying to be mean, but you just, you just got to wait and see. Same thing in basketball, right, Rob? I mean, you got George, you got the Phillips kid. Everybody says he's really good. You say, well, I mean, how quick's his transition? Then he goes to, to the Bahamas and, and plays really well. But then you have some other guys who are five-star freshmen that are thought to be one and duns, and, and they don't get on the court. Hubbard, how about this? Let, let's, let's make a list of all the really good freshman defensive backs that have been here this century. Eric Berry, that's it. Gerard Parrish. Gerard I mean, Parrish. The list is – I mean, am I missing somebody? No, and when I say Gerard Parrish, Rob, it's, it's the fact that it's, they yeah. – you know, Well, I mean, seriously. I mean, 
that, I can't come up with another. I mean, they've had a bunch of freshmen have had to play here. I mean, Trevon Flowers played. Yeah, Cam Sutton, you know, ended up being a, a – I mean, he's been an NFL guy. I don't remember how much he played as a freshman, though. Yeah, he played quite a bit as a freshman. But Alante I think that Taylor was more, played as a I freshman. I think that was more – both of those – I mean, Alante Taylor was a receiver. They got thrown to corner because that position looked like the tight end position is going to look like in spring practice right now if Tennessee doesn't have portal success. Alante, you know, reluctantly went to corner. Cam Sutton played some, but, again, I think that was a bit out of need a little bit, not because he was – not because you looked at him and said, "Man, that's that, that guy is so good, you can't keep him off the field." Which is that's, and that's what Eric Berry, right? And that's your point, Rob. That guy is so good, you got you can't keep him off the field. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And the other half of the question was about defensive line. Again, take everybody that played this year, minus Byron Young, minus Croc Garland. It's a rotational position. So, you know. All yeah, the, I, mean, I mean, if you're looking for a starters, I would say inside would be Omari Thomas and DJ Terry would be my probably where I would start. Yep. And then I would go Joshua Josephs on the outside, and I might go Tyree West on the outside over there. We'll see where they go with Tyler Barron, and we'll see what James Pierce looks like in a development standpoint. Yes, and then, you know, if you're going to the JUCO route, however, Elijah Davis is going to be brought into play. And yeah, if they, if, if, if they, if they land him. Elijah Davis, that's another one you got to you mm-hmm. got to pay attention to. I'm with you. The other one I think would be interesting on the inside could be Bryson Eason. You know, I mean, he's as gifted as just about anybody they have in the interior. You know, does he take another step? He took a step from last year to this year. Mm-hmm. He did. Can he take another step from this year to next year? I think it's possible, and if he takes a step – it could be a big step because when things, I think when Coach Garner feels like, you know, who who can make the biggest leap in, in inside, it is Bryce and Eason. And again, defensive line is a, ro- it's a rotational <laughs> position. They're, I mean, yeah, Bryce and Eason played 20 play snaps against Vanderbilt. Like, uh, yeah, they're all going to play. So um, let's go here. James 007, how many bowl opt outs do we see at this point in time? I, we know? I, I don't think very many. I mean, like, you know, I don't count the ones that are going in the portal. Um, but just as far as like guys that don't play, I don't count Hendon. He's hurt. Uh, Cedric Tillman is not going to play in the bowl game. Uh, maybe Jalen Hyatt, but I mean, he's 32 yards away from the single season record. Does he want that? I think he plays the bowl game, me personally. Um, outside of that, I mean, who else would set out? I mean, like last year, like Alante made sense, but like what, what seniors would set out? I think Darnell will play. That's just kind of who that kid is. Um, Jerome Carbon, I think, will play. Who else is the possibility of it? Because I can't really think of a whole lot. Tight ends, they'll play. Yeah, I, I, I don't see I don't see a bunch of opt outs uh, on on this team because I because 
I don't think there's anybody sitting in the catbird seat from an NFL standpoint, Rob, that the NFL is going to go, yeah, I don't blame him. That'd be good. You know, it's, there's nothing wrong with him setting out. There's some guys who continue to need to, to put some stuff on tape. Now, if you're in the cotton bowl and you're playing a group of five, does an, does an agent tell a guy, Hey, you're not going to help yourself playing in that game and put some bug in their head. Maybe, or do they go the other way and go, Hey man, you can rack up a bunch of numbers in front of everybody against a team like this that you're playing. So I don't think there'll be many because this this team this this team is not disappointed because they've not been in this spot. This is not like a perennial playoff team who's sitting there going, well, "We got nothing to play for now. What's the point?" This team's still feeling a reward for going to a play to a, a, a bowl game, you know, because they didn't go to a bowl game their entire career. Where's the guys at Alabama? Are like, wait a minute, we're not in the playoffs. Well, forget this. I'm not playing. I yeah, think per- I think Alabama will have a bunch of opt outs in there. Per- perfect example. When we take ball club confidential this week, Byron Young was talking about how excited he was to be in one of these bigger bowl games. That you know that the coaches had told him how how much cooler going to the Orange Bowl or the Cotton Bowl is compared to you know playing in one of the mid level bowls. So they're really excited of, about this. So I, again, I'm with Hubs. I think that a lot of them will want to be able to play on that stage. You know, to be able to play, you know, in in an NFL stadium, whether it's in Dallas or Miami. All right, let's go to future underscore JD23. These are directed to Austin. Um, Jordan Phillips, what's his status? How is he progressing? Haven't heard anything about him this year. And then outside of Goalish, are there any other potential staff changes uh, that we should be on the lookout for right now? Uh, Staff changes, no. Um, you know, I mean, Golish, if he gets a head job, I don't think, you know, anybody's going to go with Alex. I think, you know, you might see some, like, QCs and GAs go with Coach Golish. But I don't think, like, Kelsey Pope's going to go with him. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think, you know, ultimately, you know, that's, you know, Joey Halsey's not going with him. Ellery's not going with him. Uh, defensively, I mean, BJ, you know, has bounced around over the years, but he seems pretty content here. His family really likes Knoxville. He's, you know, got, a, you know, couple kids at Webb um, that I think are really enjoying things. Coach Garner, I do, I do not believe is going anywhere. Um, I believe he, he's very happy in, in Knoxville, very happy with his girls on the row team and everything in Tennessee. Um, you know, what, who was the player he asked about? Sorry. Well, real quick for the player, he also asked about recruiting staff. I mean, that's sometimes that, – that, that's fluid sometimes, correct? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't I don't see, you know – Brandon Lawson's not going anywhere. I don't think Billy Howe's going anywhere. Trey Johnson is a, is a guy that, you know, is going to be an up-and-comer, but I think it's, you know, in a solid spot here. Um, so, no, I don't see that. Who is the player he asked about? Jordan Phillips. Um, continuing to grow. I think, you know, really needed the year to kind of, you know, work on little things and then, like, they want to try to get his body the way they want it. Played a little bit in the Vanderbilt game. Um, Jordan did get a, got a few snaps in, in that game, and obviously could redshirt this year. Uh, I, I think Jordan's biggest thing, Eric, is is he's got to quit worried about being technically perfect every time and kind of play. He reminds me a little bit of what Matthew Butler was like when he first got here. Matthew was would really get down if he made the slight technical error and was a little thought the game too much instead of kind of played the game. And I think Jordan's got to get to that point where he's just playing the game. Yeah, and a lot of times that just takes time. You do sure. something repetitive every single day in practice for two years, you're going to do it in your sleep and not know you're doing it. So just just go out there and play sometimes. Uh, let's go to Hendersonville 15. 
Are you confident that Josephs and Pierce can develop into serviceable pass rushers next season? Do they look into the portal? Is BY and Roman Harrison gone? BY's gone. Roman Harrison, did he go through senior day activities? He did not. I think he'll be back unless he decides to leave, but I think he'll be back. But but hey, still Joseph could look is... to the portal to try to find another pass rusher, correct? Yeah, they would love to add an edge guy or a, or a three technique. They're not trying to add any like nose tackles or anything like that. And I was going to say, Joshua Joseph is already a serviceable pass rusher. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. And then you guys want to add anything on James Pierce, Brent? I think Pierce, when given the opportunity late in games, he came in and flashed. I think for him, though, it really is about channeling in on the technique, learning how to do it the correct way, because he's got some just raw talent. Yeah, I mean, both both he and Joseph's got to get stronger. They got to get better. Um, what they've learned is they can't just run around somebody at this league. If they do, they get pushed way up past the quarterback at times. Uh, both of them have great length. Both of them have all the tools that, that you were looking for. Uh, they're bringing in some guys, you know, in this class who are edge guys. I'm not sure if any of them are going to be physically ready to go out of the gate. They're probably going to get some weight thrown on them, which is why if there were a if there was a really good pass rusher out there, I think they would explore that option. I don't think they're necessarily just going to take a body to take a body at this point um, from a pass rush standpoint. But if there was a guy out there that they felt like could be a, a significant impact player for them, I think they would. I think they would definitely take one. Rob Lewis, this one goes to you. Racer Vall wants to know uh, if you're filling it out, who is your starting five uh, for this basketball team? Uh, I mean, I, <clears throat> I, I my, my view, I mean, the, I, the starting five doesn't matter as much as like here are the seven or eight guys we're going to play. But um, since Rick is committed to bringing Zakai off the bench, uh, obviously, and uh, I'm, I'm going to send Josiah's healthy. I'll get Josiah, and I would, I would like to go small. Uh, so I'll throw Jonas at the five, um, Josiah at the four, Tyreek, Santi, Julian Phillips. But I again, think Max is disagreeing with you there. Um, what's what's the floor for this team, in your opinion? The floor? Yeah. Uh, losing the first weekend of the tournament. Okay. And let's see here. There's one other one. You said floor, not ceiling, right? Yes. I think that, yeah, I think that's a bare minimum for this Tennessee yeah. team. Yeah, bare minimum. Be a tournament team, but but get ousted in the first round. And then, how would you compare this falls team to other contenders in the SEC? I, I mean, I'm not going to lie; I don't have, I, I've not watched every other SEC team play. I've, I've seen Kentucky play some. I saw Arkansas play. I watched, you know, a couple of their games from Maui. Haven't seen much of Auburn right now. Um, I mean, from watching Kentucky and Arkansas, Tennessee can, can definitely compete with with those two who are. The other other favorites, but it's you know it, I'm, I'm still in mostly football mode. Over starting starting Thanksgiving, I did I watched a lot of basketball. As I said, watched a lot of those those tournaments, but uh, I, I'm not going to pretend to to have a bead on, on every other SEC team right now. How would you compare this team to the 2012 Kentucky team? <laughs> Maybe a notch below. Well, can you give us a percentage of uh, a, a shot below? That's a, a that's AP specialty. AP, what's the percentage that they get out of the first round of the tournament? Oh, um, I would say 64 percent that they get out of the first round. Out of the round two, I'll go forty eight percent, and then after that, it's, you know, they can just get to the elite eight. I think it's ninety seven point six percent they're going to go to the final four. <laughs> G. Waltney, uh, with two into the portal at this time of the recording, do you feel how many do you feel may enter the transfer portal? Uh, what is the view of the staff along with people to return once 
What's the view of the staff allowing people to return once enter the portal? Remember, Tyler Barron did that last year. He entered then came back out. Yeah, I, I think it depends on, you know, kind of the position, you know, where they're at at the position. And then, too, like, you know, I mean, this year they may need those numbers, you know, to go and add people. More so last year it was just kind of like, oh, okay, we'll take you back, you know, not a big deal. You know, this year it's going to be like, wait a minute, we really need that spot now to go get this uh, offensive tackle or this, you know, safety or whatever, tight end. Um, it, it also depends. Yeah, I think it also depends on who you can replace somebody with, right? Yep. If, if a guy tells you he's going in the portal and you know that there's a guy at his position that has interest in you and you like him, maybe that's a little easier trade to make. So uh, I think every situation is different there. I don't think there's a blanket answer to what the stance is on, on a situation like that. Uh, because of all the talk from last night, earlier today, and, and all the clauses out there, a couple of people are asking, there's there's no chance since he goes to the Rose Bowl, right, guys? Right. No, I don't believe so. Yeah, no, no chance. chance. They are locked in and affiliated and are taken and are holding, beholding to their affiliations to the Big Ten and the Pac-12. They're also holding up college football expansion, dictating when semifinal games are played, when they're not involved in the college football playoff. Uh, they're dictating in their cluster clause who goes to what other bowl games in the New Year's Six, all because they got a pretty sun on the West Coast and they have a parade full of flowers and balloons. Which- What's your favorite flower, Hubs? It's not my favorite bowl game, and I'm telling you that if if they keep holding some of this stuff up, at some point somebody's going to have to take a stand and tell them to kick some rocks. In my opinion. By the way, we we finally reached the we finally reached the tipping point of seeing pissed off Hubs. This is phenomenal. I mean, listen, I don't phenomenal. I don't. I don't. I I mean, it's not. I'm not like oh, Tennessee's not going to the Orange Bowl. Da 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 da. I'm on the table you're standing on right now. I'm more. I'm more. I'm more from the standpoint of what gives them the right. Like, why do they think they have the right to to do to 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 have all these have all the power off of over everybody else in the New Year's Six and the college football playoff? Why why do they get to have the right? I mean, they're not that prestigious. It must be that thirty-two million dollar TV deal they got, right? Well, I'm I'm more concerned with. I mean, I I can see them wanting the right and thinking you know being conceited enough to think they they deserve the right hover. I'm more confused about why did the college football playoff committee or the powers that be give them the right? Yeah, you're exactly you, right. I mean, I I can see them wanting it. That's that's you know that's understandable. But why did everybody else think that was okay? Because they, they, they clamor for the Rose Bowl. They clamor to have it. And you go back the two times that you know in recent years that that they had non Big Ten, uh, Pac-12 teams. Um, it was both as it was Georgia playing Oklahoma in the in the semifinal, and then Alabama winning the national title over Texas. Yeah, but I mean, you told me you couldn't throw those games in SoFi Stadium, and and sell them out. That's absurd to me. Oh, I'm with you. No, I know. I mean, I know you're not disagreeing. Well, and I don't know who all is on that committee that have ties to the Big Ten and the Pac-12, you know, and to the Rose Bowl themselves. To 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 that, I, I'm just saying. At some point, you got to look at that and go, you know what? They're holding up progress. And and if I'm the Orange Bowl, no offense to Ohio State, I'm I'm hot. Okay, I mean I'm hot because not because necessarily you're stuck with Ohio State, but I'm hot because I didn't get to pick the team I wanted to pick because the other bowl dictated who I got to pick. Yep, and that would bother me significantly if I was a New Year's Six bowl. 
significantly. Fort Loudon Vol wants to know how quickly after the bowl announcement will Austin make his golf course reservations? Well, Austin's already got a tentative golf course reservation, which is why Austin's also been fairly loud about the the ludicrous cluster clause. <laughs> well, but, here's not, the, but it's also not. There's a lot going on there too. I mean, you got you got to find out private jet availability. Uh, yeah, ca- you know, <laughs> so caterers. But, but my, here, here's but, the thing. Here's the thing. Everybody needs to understand. Austin had a golf course itinerary to the Fiesta Bowl, the Rose Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Citrus Bowl, the Outback Bowl. Right, Austin? I'm not having one for the Sugar Bowl. I don't care about playing in, in New Orleans. <laughs> what about, what, Hubbard, and Hubbard, you left out the Polynesian Bowl. Now, that 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 my wife's already has has already sanctioned. Kapalua, baby. <laughs> All right, a couple more here. Let's go to Rebel Coach 25. How can Hendon Hooker be a finalist for the Maxwell Award but not the Davy O'Brien Award? Because there's multiple good quarterbacks, and I'm, you know, for whatever reason, they just didn't – I guess they didn't feel like he could win it, so they wanted to put three viable options. I don't know. Maybe those three were just the three high smoke getters. Yeah, well, I mean, they got two separate committees, two separate awards. It's just the way it is. Okay, here we go. Last one. Which do you think would be more painful for the fan base – Losing to South Carolina the way Tennessee did, or going eleven and one and being left out of the college football playoff with TCU and USC in over Tennessee. Well, you're not mad at Tennessee if you're eleven and one. You're mad at Tennessee if you're a fan because they 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 lost that South Carolina game. They blew the chance to have that opportunity. I think it would be unbelievable if Tennessee was sitting there at eleven and one and wasn't in the college football playoff with the fans. Like, I think they would just be, I mean, it would be, you know, catatonic, you know, because I think they would feel like their resume is worthy of going and they got pushed out just because TCU's undefeated and, and, and USC's the Pac-12 champ. Uh, well, let's do one more. This is for Rob, basketball related. Uh, do you think with, first of all, what's the latest on Josiah? Um, with him being out, is it likely help Phillips realize his potential on this team quicker than any of the other uh, new great players or five-star freshmen that they've had under Barnes? Meaning, because of the injury, does that mean Phillips has realized what he can do and he has adapted quicker than any of the other five-star that Rick Barnes has had? Uh, maybe he's adapted quicker, but I think the biggest reason is he's just better. I mean, he's he's a he's, he's better than any of the other five stars that Rick has had. Um, and I, I go, you can go back and find snippets of that in the war room from back in you know July and August. I mean, he's just, he's almost as good of an athlete as Keon and he's way more polished offensively than Keon. He's also four inches taller. Actually, uh, Rob, you can't go back and find what was said. In oh, I'm sorry. You're right. AP. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. And as far as Josiah, I mean, it's, it's all, it's, it's all on him. It's, it's pain management. It's just what, what feels good. Um, there's no structural, damage he's not re-injured himself it just i mean for lack of a better phrase he did the knee just doesn't feel right to him and he's he doesn't have 100 percent confidence right now is this going to be something all year long well i mean I, I think that's a fair question to ask I mean, it's been something for a month now i mean i'm not i'm not saying it is going to be all year long but i mean he didn't play against gonzaga on october 28th in that exhibition game he didn't play last week a month later so gotcha. Rob, Rob, why do you think why do you think Jordan's got the feel for the game that, that has? I mean, just that, that's the unusual part for, for me is just his understanding and feel for the game. You don't see that from 
translation, you don't see that very often from the AAU circuit to, to the college circuit the way you do. Why, why do you think he's got that? I mean, I, I can't explain it necessarily. He just has a really high basketball IQ. I mean, he cares. He works really hard. Um, you know, he played at a, at a you know, at advanced prep school. But I mean, a lot of kids do that. And, you know, that doesn't mean they, they have a great feel for the game. I mean, he, he works really hard. He takes coaching really well. I mean, he's not an entitled five-star kid. I mean, he probably is one and done, but he doesn't bring that mindset to practice every day. You know, I mean, he's not, I'm better than you or whatever. I just, he, he has a great work ethic and um, he, I mean, it matters to him. And I, I don't know if that answers the question or not, but he is, he is really conscientious and doesn't get upset about getting coached hard, which is a big deal in this program. I mean, if you're going to make it here, you, you've got to be able to take coaching gets inside the film room, works, you know, gets in the weight room on, on days off. I mean, just just all the things that you love to see in a player when you combine combine it with his talent, it's you've got quite a package. Appreciate you guys for getting us in all these questions for the mailbag edition. It's every Thursday right here at VolQuest. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit that like button. Help us get this video out to more uh, Tennessee fans. And, of course, uh, subscribe to the channel. Support the VolQuest on YouTube as well. We got $10 until kickoff 2023, $10 to be a com subscriber until kickoff 2023. So go ahead and take advantage of this deal. Text your buddies, tell your friends. If they're not, they need to come on and uh, join us. We got a whole lot of great stuff coming up this week. And, of course, covering whichever bowl Tennessee is in, that announcement will be made on Sunday. Call the stocking stuff for there, Kane. Put it in the stocking for all your kids. A little stocking stuff or a little VolQuest.com subscription. I like it. Reesey tree for the holidays and VolQuest for a year. For Rob Lewis, Brent Hubbs, and that man, Austin Price, I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for hanging out with us here today on the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.